0: And we have takeoff. At the turn of the 20th century, there was a national awareness of the mound builders and their extensive earthworks that far exceeded contemporary consciousness on the subject. Since the majority of the country still lived an agrarian lifestyle, awareness of the mounds was reinforced daily by contact with the actual sites themselves. Current estimates put the number of known American mounds at well over 100,000. They ranged in shape from the Great Pyramids of Illinois to the fantastic pictorial mounds of Wisconsin. It seemed to be common knowledge that giants were found buried in many of these mounds and that these giants were not related to the present-day American Indians living in the region. Here we are on the top
1: of Monk's Mound at Cahokia Mounds State Park, which is in the process of becoming a national park. So they have the visitor center closed right now and that's where the famous Birdman motif was found on one of the terrace levels here on Monk's Mound. It got the name Monk's Mound, named after the Trappist monks that lived here and had grown crops and were using this surrounding area as farmland. But when it was built, this is the largest earth mound in all of the Americas. We're on the top of Monk's Mound and the base of this earthen mound is actually larger than the Great Pyramid of Egypt. Right in the distance here we can see Horseshoe Lake and this is a branch of the Mississippi River. So at the time when this Cahokia Mounds development was started, they would have had river access right to the site here.
2: I've always kind of believed that what they say about this area and a lot of other areas around this planet and especially areas located east of where we currently are outside the river bluff looked very suspiciously like Indian mounds. I asked people locally from that area about these weird anomalous hills that seem to just pop up out of nowhere in some of these valleys. Um, You you look panoramically in all directions and you see they almost look like pyramids sticking out because they're just that odd. Well, those are just natural land formations that glaciers made 250,000 years ago, is what one person would say. Another person would say, oh, I know that hill you're talking about, so-and-so's house is on that. That's an Indian mound. Really? Yeah. And they don't know about No, they don't say anything to scientists or archaeologists because then they would come in and do a study. And if they find it to be a Native American mound, a lot of times it gets fenced off, no trespassing. Because in the whole area that I was talking about... And, Uh, Northern St. Clair County, Southern Madison County. Of all the hills out there, there's one of them that is actually an official Native American mound. It's a Moon Temple mound. Emerald Mound is the name of it. However, it's the only one that is completely unkempt. Everything else is farmed. It's got houses on it. They look nice, they look, They stick out like a sore thumb. Some of them, it's like, wow, look at that. It looks like a giant step pyramid. Which ones, is that the, the Native American mountain? No, it's the one over there that looks like it's just got asparagus growing out of the top of a, it's, you know, trees, brush, big no trespassing signs. That's it. Not allowed to go up on it. You're not supposed to go up on it. So we're on top of the Emerald Mound just outside of Lebanon, Illinois. And this is a Moon Temple Mound that I believe dates back to 500 BC. They know it's a Moon Temple Mound because uh, right before the pandemic, grad student doing her, uh, her study for doctorate degree, I guess, or um, had LIDAR surveys done and ground-penetrating radar surveys done out here, or she did them herself, and they could tell that the structure built on top of this Temple Mound and all of the surrounding buildings on the lower land were built to where the entrance and exits of the building would have had an alignment with the lunar maximum standstill, which happens once every 18.6 years. Monk's Mound at the Cahokia site, which is probably 15 miles to the northwest of where we currently are. If you're on top of Monk's Mound, on the morning of the winter solstice sunrise, the sun rises directly over the top of where we're standing on the horizon. Now you can't see this mound from the top of Monk's Mound because Monk's Mound is actually in the river valley itself. It's surrounded by the Mississippi River Bluffs. But of all the anomalous hills in this region, this is the only one that is officially declared a Native American Temple Mound. And it's because there's a borrow pit on the other side of this mound which is a pond that's about two acres around and it's about 20 feet deep. It's almost like an old strip mine pond. Um, so deep but that's the dirt that they used to build this mound. And, I don't know. We're not supposed to be up here but we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Harry Hubbard.
3: I am uh, currently living in Illinois and um, about four and a half miles from here, a cave was discovered. It's not really a cave as such; it's a man-made cavern system. And it was first discovered um, that we have record of in 1925 by a fellow named Orville Lowry with his two daughters at the time. And in this cave were thousands and thousands of artifacts, um, and they were taken out of this cave. They were looted, but if it hadn't have been looted, we would not know that they existed. And there was all kinds of gold, too. I, I document in, uh, I think it's book two, where they took out like $7 million worth of gold, and that's when gold was cheap, like $325 an ounce, a, a troy ounce or stuff. So. And a lot of the gold pieces and a lot of these artifacts are clearly Egyptian. And I did a series uh, of just the Egyptian artifacts. There's like uh, over 200 in that series. And and you can you can decide for yourself. And uh, there were people that uh, that uh, uh, said, "Oh, all these artifacts are fake. All these artifacts are fake. Uh, it's, oh, they're obvious fakes. They're obvious fakes." Which, uh, according to the forensic lab, that is not so. <laughs> I've had several dozen of them checked in the forensic lab, and other collectors have too. And they all come up like eighteen hundred years plus eighteen hundred, and that's all you have to do is get over that five six hundred year uh, um, jump from. Columbus to to uh, have your artifact authenticated, and some of the uh, the, the artifacts actually had uh, uh, ET connections, uh, it's clearly showing and talking about them. Uh, uh, and you know, and you have like an ET woman, and it'll have Egyptian hieroglyph all around her head, and some of them even have their names on them or what they called them back then. With the forensic analysis. They, they provide you with paperwork, and, and it speaks for itself. So a lot of these people, they don't really know the whole story. And it ties in. Now, just south of us here, about a mile and a half, is a huge mound called Kearns Hill. And it covers uh, uh, like 16 20 acres, something like that. It's actually larger than Cahokia mounds, uh, the, the Monk's Mound at Cahokia. And it's huge. And it could have been an effigy mound at one time. And there have been artifacts found on it. And they say if you dig uh, one cubic foot in that mound that you will get arrowheads and and, uh, uh, ancient axe heads and such like that. I'm not a digger. I'm not a digger. But there are mounds all over Southern Illinois. Near every river, every stream, every floodplain has uh, in some cases series of mounds and just huge mounds. Huge mounds all along has been down the Skillet Fork, the Embra, uh the Kaskaskia River. Uh there is a mound um down the Skillet Fork, downstream on the Skillet Fork called Big Mound, and it's over a mile long and half a mile wide. And in some of these mounds, like at Cahokia, they they quit digging up inside the that uh, the mounds there because they found some very large humanoids, hominids, uh, very large, uh, like eight or nine. Uh, 9 feet tall, which to me is not a giant. A giant to me, a giant human would be uh, females that are 13 feet tall and males that are at least 15 feet tall. And so that's that's my parameter, uh, uh, guideline there. So anyway, that's why they shut down the digs at Cahokia because it goes against the Darwinian theory of evolution and several um, of giants in different mounds all over the United States from uh, uh, there's some good series on the, the the giants that had double rolls of teeth or extra vertebrae, or extra ribs in their cage these are different races of people they're not just regular humans they're 12 15 14 feet tall and they've been found all in virtually every state of the of the continental 48 and in canada and uh, in other places too
4: a lot of this information has been kept uh, uh, sort of locked up or kept undercover because of the invasion of the 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 Smithsonian group way back in the 1880s.
5: Of course, now that is all said to have been hoaxed and faked, um, because that's the official narrative: is that these things aren't supposed to exist or have existed. But the fact of the matter is, is when you look into it, all the evidence suggests is that that these things are actually real and were found. And this suppression goes back to the 1800s, and it seems to have started with a man named John Wesley Powell. So in 1879, John Wesley Powell was made the head of the Bureau of Ethnology, which is directly linked to the Smithsonian Institution, and the Smithsonian is directly linked to the US government. The first year he was the head of that bureau, he released a report that states that any evidence or anything that is found or presented that goes against the official narrative will be seen as illegitimate. So the question is, what is the official narrative that cannot be gone against? Well, that is basically that Christopher Columbus discovered the Americas in 1492. And before that, all that existed here were the Native Americans. And there was no... Other civilization or no it no definitely no advanced civilization that existed what they usually do is any evidence that is found the government and the Smithsonian comes in grabs all that evidence says we need to we need to take this um, and what actually happens is it's not taken to preserve it it's taken to hide it so so they come and take All the giant bones and giant skeletons that have been found in and around these mounds all over North America And really all over the world, not just North America As soon as they're found and the word gets out that they're found uh, People come, take them, they're brought to the Smithsonian And they are buried and never seen again And any inquiries into the Smithsonian to try to get information on these Is outright denied that they ever have been found or that they exist at all. So there's clearly a very big cover-up that's been going on for a long
4: time. There's a record of uh, giants in all petroglyphs. If you go to the petroglyphs anywhere on the planet, you will see giants. And we have history of giants. One of the, the theories of the Chaco culture being this or they just vacated nobody knows where they went. It's where the red-haired giants uh, a lot of them are still buried in Nevada and uh, I know of a lot of people that have told me about it. they won't lie to me because you know we're we're all professional people and they were born and raised there they know where they were buried and but they just leave them alone.
6: I'm seeing two different civilizations going way way back. For the first one, and that one kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting to see really, really big people, and I would I'd say eight, nine, ten feet tall, so possibly giants. Um, and I see them lifting stones, big stones, like each each one would maybe have weighed a hundred pounds or so, and placing them in specific places, which would be the base for what we see today with this
1: larger mound. Because many times they had funerary items and sometimes even giants, including right here at Coke. Yeah, there were reported two giants with double rows of teeth and six fingers and six toes. So very human-like, but not quite human. Whether the Giants built Cahokia Mounds or maybe some of their ancestors had lived here long enough is question. Because when they were drilling down, they were doing some excavations here some years ago, and they hit a rock bottom. Of course, all of this is mound site, and when they hit the rock bottom, that was very peculiar. Could it be a sarcophagus or perhaps a temple within the pyramid? And that was a very common building technique of the Central Americans.
2: I think that all those mounds need to be reevaluated. Because when they were doing those drill samples is when they discovered the base underneath this Monk's mound, which is the largest man-made prehistoric structure north of Mexico City in North America. 17 acres around the base, I believe. And underneath the base of it is three feet thick of crushed compacted granite. Three feet thick's pretty thick. That's an awful big ass mound. The funny part though is, 90 miles away is the closest you can quarry granite to where we're standing right now. On the Wabash River, almost in the Indiana border, Kentucky border, so. But how the hell do you get that much granite? Cause the granite on the base of that damn near weighs what the dirt on the top of it weighs. Nobody knows what's underneath it. I've heard a theory that there's a spaceship underneath it. I don't buy that one. And don't mention that to the museum curators. They don't care to hear that sort of thing.
1: (laughs) And if you look around at the landscape, there are mounds all over the place. This is very similar to the design of Central American mound sites where you have a central plaza with terraces or earthen mounds or pyramids surrounding the central plaza. That was the center point of life to the prehistoric people that were here off in the distance there, you can see Woodhenge. You can see a couple of post holes sticking up. And that's very significant because it's called Woodhenge because it's actually a solar calendar that you can tell the time of the season there. Just like the Intihuatana stone at Machu Picchu and the medicine wheels of the Great Plains. The Woodhenge here uh, was part of one of the sites where the whole science of archaeoastronomy was developed, and that is using archaeological sites to go back in time and find out when those alignments were calculatable. So what this shows with Woodhenge here at Cahokia is that the primitive people were far more sophisticated than we've given them credit for.
2: It always fascinated me that we don't know hardly anything of what we thought we did. Like I can remember being a little kid here and there might have been three or four million people in North America you know when Europeans came over here only to find out that there had to be way more people over here. There could have been bigger cities is what I was I guess of what I'm getting at that have just been looked over because in the 40s when scientists archaeologists came through the midwest looking for Native American mounds. Essentially, they drilled into the side of them or drilled from the top down, and if they didn't hit anything solid, they said it was a natural structure. They didn't know anything about temple mounds. All they were looking for was burial mounds. In fact, I think it was until 1945, they said finally that this was actually man-made. Up to that point, they just said that it was a glacial deposit. There's a whole lot of glacial deposits throughout here, if that's what it was.
0: And what a lot of people don't even realize is that the Cahokia Mound site actually extended all the way across the Mississippi River into St. Louis, Missouri at one time. On the other side of the Mississippi, where St. Louis now resides, were 40 Native American mounds that were destroyed to build St. Louis. There's actually one remaining mound on the side of Highway 55 along the Mississippi River that is well known and people do know about it. But that's it. Where's the history? Why is this not a well-known history? There is one street in St. Louis downtown called Mound Street, and there's one commemorative stone that tells the brief history of that Mound City that once existed. So we're down here on Mound Street, the only memorial site for Mound City, the 40 Native American mounds that existed on the west side of the Mississippi before they were destroyed in the 1800s to build downtown St. Louis. The site is not maintained at all, uh, it's actually really sad to see how there's just no upkeep at all since 2019, really whenever they, uh, I guess, built this or installed this memorial. Um, this is a commemorative plaque behind me and it tells the history of the city and that's it. There's no other history that I know of that can be found anywhere. There's no museum. This isn't talked about in many places, even online. It's hard to find information on this site. It's pretty wild, let me walk over here to the sign. Just to give you an idea, this is what the mound once looked like, that was leveled. Apparently that is a real photograph. That's the big mound, it was 319 feet long, 158 feet wide, 34 feet tall. Here's an artist's depiction of the Big Mound and some of the other mounds that were once here. like an old Native American plaque We just came back here today to clean this site up and preserve it because there's really no upkeep at all down here, especially for this that should be a sacred historical site. It is a sacred historical site that needs further investigation, that needs more attention. Among the artifacts that were found here, there was copper and steel plated artifacts that depicted men in armor with shields and helmets which corroborate with the artifacts that were pulled out of the cave in 1925 that Harry Hubbard was mentioning and in this big mound here that this site is commemorating allegedly there was a 70 foot long burial chamber with hundreds of skeletons that nobody knows what happened to them I'm sure the Smithsonian came in and swept those up as as well regardless there's a story here that needs to be told there's an unknown history there's not much literature on it I truly believe there's a lot more history to be discovered Uh, the Native American history in the United States in general has been suppressed and buried as we know So I hope we can do our due diligence to shed some light on that history and what happened right here in St. Louis, my hometown. Back around 2006,
7: for an electrical contractor, we were building a, a casino for Pinnacle Entertainment. The casino was Lumiere Place Casino. It's on the North Riverfront in downtown St. Louis. During the construction project, I had learned that they were building a tunnel over to the America Center. And this tunnel was supposed to bring in traffic into the casino before and after the Rams games. During the tunnel digging, they had actually hit some Indian artifacts and possibly Indian remains. I'm kind of sketchy on the details, but I do remember them shutting the site down for a few days to do an archeological dig. And I remember it, they didn't get much time to do it before they started construction back on the tunnel again. Um, Around this time I, I wasn't aware of all the mounts that had been downtown St. Louis. I had only known about the ones on the Illinois side. So I came home and started doing some research and found that St. Louis used to be actually called Mound City. And I found some maps of the exact area where I was working and it was an overlay. It showed the Indian mounds and it showed the new streets, and like it showed the America Center, and there was roughly 24 pyramids or mounds in different uh, shapes and fashions in that area. a matter of fact, at least three of them are right underneath of where Lumiere Place Casino currently sits.
8: What most people don't realize, and we believe it is uh, based on the history that is taught in North America, uh, most people don't realize how important our sacred sites, the mounds, are. Um, So from a galactic perspective, our mounds are considered similar to the pyramids. Um, Energetically, they are the same. Um, so physically on a third dimension, um, we see physical mounds or even in um, some other sacred sites like Egypt and Peru. Um, you see like um, the pyramids, but energetically, um, basically they're bigger. Energetically they're bigger.
5: And when you understand that the pyramid structure is actually a technology, it makes a lot of sense why you find pyramids on every single continent on the planet and the North American mounds are actually a type of pyramid. The pyramid technology has actually been rediscovered in modern times through many scientists. Dr. Alexander Golob was one of the most famous of these scientists. He was a Ukrainian who worked as a scientist in Russia and proved that the pyramid structure is a technology that actually harnesses what you could call universal energy or what has been called scalar or orgon energy or prana. These are all terms for the same energy that the pyramid structure actually harnesses and is actually a technology that can be utilized for many different things.
0: So, one thing that we have learned is that most of these mound sites are located on intersecting ley lines. And a ley line is an energy grid that encompasses our entire planet, and a lot of the ancients were building on these intersecting points because they're connecting with the energy that the planet was already providing. These locations of these structures were strategically chosen for this reason and probably many other reasons.
6: Uh, They're definitely placed on ley lines. I can see that they're finding energy spots and they're using dowsing to find it. The priests would do that and uh, they're actually using sticks as dowsing rods to find the exact right place to put things. So that is not random at all. They're, you know, if, if somebody went out there with 1,000 rods, they'd probably find the exact same thing that these ley lines are crossing in certain areas. So their most important buildings would be constructed on those ley lines. Now, let me take a look at the stars to see if there's a relationship. Oh, I'm seeing Orion So there must be something aligned with Orion. I'm also seeing Arcturus as being a very important star to them. And they're... Boy, it seems that they have knowledge of the solar system and that they know we revolve around the Sun. So they had advanced knowledge and this is coming from elsewhere, this is coming from the star people who taught them these things. So they would teach the priests and then the priests would teach other people and tell, tell everybody what they needed to do. And this was, you know, it had a purpose behind it. It was uh, for agriculture, of course, but also learning and communication and helping them raise consciousness is is what I'm seeing that they wanted people to be connected to the earth they wanted them to be grounded but they also wanted them to be using their third eye so to speak Um, and uh, and the people were they were very in tune with nature and the earth and they could listen to things and hear things that most people don't now
9: So it wasn't the solar calendar that was followed at that time, but it was the lunar calendar. And particularly on Monk's Mound, there is positioning that is now being discovered about the lunar cycles and where the moon sits in view of the mound. This place was chosen because of its energy lines, because of the people that were here. That there was an intention when they came
1: as we look around we're at the highest point outside of those skyscrapers in st louis showing that like the central american city planners they put a very high emphasis on gaining elevation whether that was to get closer to god with their prayers or just a defensive measure to be up higher in case of attack The mound sites here are very similar to the layout of a Central American city. And when you think about how much river traffic must have taken place here, that if you would just follow the Mississippi River down to the Gulf of Mexico and hug the coastline, you could be down in the Yucatan within a few months, perhaps. So there is evidence that there was quite a robust trade system throughout all of North America, because macaw feathers that came from the jungles of Mexico have been found in the Southwest, obsidian stone that came from Yellowstone, where a very famous obsidian quarry was located, have been found in tombs throughout the Midwest, similarly the pipestone from Minnesota was a trade item that made its way well into the Southwest and other locations too. So the picture that emerges is a very sophisticated culture that had the wherewithal to build these mound sites, to know the changing seasons of Woodhenge, and also to be traveling up and down these very important waterways throughout the North American continent. And to me, this is just one of the best sacred places in all of North America because it is still so well-preserved, where
2: so many mound sites have been lost and looted. Uh, the mound builders that built this, this mound, they still don't know where they went, what happened to them. Um, the original theory was is that they went south and became the Aztecs, uh, but through DNA testing, that's incorrect.
5: All of the Native American tribes and cultures, and in fact, all of the indigenous cultures on the planet, all describe star beings or star people as their ancestors that came here from the stars and shared with them information and taught them many things, taught them agriculture, taught them science, medicine, astronomy, taught them many spiritual concepts, the Hopi, the Zuni, the Navajo, the Apache, all of these tribes and more talk about the star people, talk about beings coming down from the stars and teaching them all these things, coming down with this advanced technology and these craft. We see petroglyphs, we see rock carvings, we see depictions of crafts and of extraterrestrial-like beings all over North America and in fact, all over the world. The Zuni tribal elder Clifford Mahudi has been one of the most prominent in recent times people to speak about the star beings in connection to the Native
4: Americans. All native peoples or native uh, aboriginal peoples, whether whether it's here in Mexico or United States or all throughout the whole planet, whether it's in Australia or Japan or wherever, they have a All the aboriginal tribes is a direct connection to what we call the star people. That they, every ritual or every enactment talks about the the star people coming, what they did, and then they're leaving. There was a, um, and they're still here.
10: So the ancient peoples who lived at these mounds divided up their understanding of the universe into three basic parts where we had the overworld, which was inhabited by the avian beings, the middle world, which was inhabited by the humans, and the lower world, which was inhabited by the serpent beings. Now at the Cahokia mounds, one of the artifacts that was found was called the Birdman Tablet. And The Birdman Tablet on one side depicts a bird humanoid figure, and on the other side depicts serpent scales which is indicative, I think, of many ancient civilizations which have discussed the dichotomy between the benevolent bird beings and the malevolent reptilian beings. This is a pattern that seems to come up very, very often throughout many cultures around the world, throughout various parts in history. Now, the mainstream understanding of what the Birdman tablet depicts is that it's depicting the chief of the human tribes dressing up honoring the bird peoples but that the bird man itself was actually a human now even within the museum that hosts the birdman tablet there is contradicting information about this as in one part of the museum where they talk about the spiritual beliefs of these peoples and these three segmented parts the historian in this video in the museum actually says that new information points to understanding that the peoples of the Cahokia mounds actually saw the Birdman as some kind of cosmic being and not a humanoid being and this would be right in alignment with all of these ancient civilizations that have talked about benevolent bird beings coming down to the earth and teaching humanity information to assist with their evolution.
8: One of the primary, I guess you say one of the premier discoveries at Cahokia Mount um, was some of the relics or a tablet of the Birdman. Which they really don't talk too much about the Birdman, um, but the Birdman that like tablet itself was a representation of like the visitations of when the galactic elders um, that assisted in seeding this planet or seeding human life onto this planet will come to check up on the beings here, on the humans here. Um, So yes, there are, there were rituals or there were dances and celebrations and people would dress up like the galactic beings that were visiting. Um, But there
9: were actual physical galactic beings that were visiting. There is some common knowledge that the bird people are from a foreign or a star, another galactic descent. So these tribes that came from beyond and visited earth did not want to shock or scare the people and they were already aware in part of their reverence for nature. So their message by coming from above and wearing the feathers was one to calm the anxiety, to be more familiar to the people that they were then interacting with. That their relationship with these bird people who visited here for many, many years, thousands of years that came, they carried on this tradition. So the Birdman body, and why him? Why was he so decorated? And why was he so special? So the information that I received from being able to read the energy and communicate with the energies that were here, is because he was the last of the true. There is a correlation between his death and the eventual abandonment of this space in this area as it used to be. So this bird man was the last and the pure and the true of his kind. Just like in reverence to the mummies in preparation for the afterlife, The Cahokia tribe adorned him in the outline for his spirit to transcend into the bird to carry back up to the bird tribe people.
0: So, the first thing that we have to realize is that the history that we're taught in our textbooks isn't necessarily the true history of this country. For instance, Mount Rushmore used to be known as. The sixth Grandfathers Mountain, it was a sacred Lakota site, a place of prayer for the Native Americans that was lost during the Battle of Little Bighorn, and it became what we now know as Mount Rushmore. This wasn't the only thing that we took from them. We didn't only take their land and destroy their sacred monuments, but we also adopted their ideas for our Constitution. The Constitution wasn't some brilliant idea from the Founding Fathers. They actually adopted those ways from Native American governments, such as the Constitution of the Cherokee or the Iroquois Confederacy. These ideas were stolen
4: along with everything else. And I am very, very disappointed that every time that they talk about it, it's that they they pat themselves on the back and how great con- they made this country. Well, this country was not discovered. He was here all this time. I work with a, a lot of people with the ancient aliens. If you look at some of the episodes that George uh, Sucullis did he made a very thorough investigation about the Iroquois Confederacy and how how the founding fathers uh, took that and said that this is our constitution. What they did was they took this took that Iroquois Confederacy kind of <clears throat> way of government and adopted it into and they call it the Constitution of the United States of America. However, through throughout the last 500 years, that's been, that's been torn apart because of the conqueror. The colonization destroyed a lot of those concepts
0: as we all know. So the next thing that we have to understand is the Ley Line Network, or what's been dubbed as the Global Mound Matrix by Ross Ben. He's a great researcher on the subject. And according to him, our founding fathers were actually Mound Gridders. And Mound gritter is someone who can identify an indigenous mound. They can survey, map, and chart the connecting ley lines extending from the mound. And they knew how to harness the Earth's energy that was emanating from that site and use it for their will. Now this is where we have to realize how this global mound matrix, or this ley line network, has been corrupted. Many famous battles and famous murders have actually taken place on these ley line intersections, specifically to spill blood into these ley lines and corrupt the ley lines. Something else that I came across through my research is something called a Fairmount Ceremony, which is a bonfire celebration that was held at the foot or the base of these sacred mound sites all over North America. And it was done in participation with the land it was a very sacred ceremony and i started noticing that in every city wherever there's a mound in north america at the base of it somewhere there is a fairmount park a fairmount church a fairmount street something named fairmount and I was trying to connect the dots and figure out what this meant and then I came across some information again from Ross Ben, where he talks about the founding fathers and Ben Franklin being directly related to the Fairmount name and Ben Franklin actually earned a nomenclature of Fairmount through the Treaty of 1754. What's interesting is down the street from the Cahokia Mountains is a Fairmount racetrack. It's a horse racing track where there's betting, gambling, drugs, alcohol animal abuse, everything you would need to corrupt that ley line. There's no coincidence in my opinion that that was placed specifically in that location to do exactly that.
8: When this country was taken over, basically they started with taking over the grid ley line system, which actually was done in Europe first where they developed a practice of necrogeomancy. Um, So they were already aware of how to do it before coming over to North America um, to take over this land. To be quite clear, that's why like a lot of battles were fought on forts. So when you kill a lot of people on these lands, their souls get trapped. And they're using the Necrogeomancy, a reversal black dark energy technology, to reverse the energy and use it for their own purposes. And they pull the energy. So when they pull energy from the land, they're pulling energy from every human being. So that's why it's so important for us to clear these lines and to restore them and then activate the mounds. So a lot of grant workers, this has been going on for years, so don't think it's just my team. Like I appreciate every individual, every team that is out on mission and assisting and receiving the guidance from their higher selves, from their galactic teams, from their star family to assist in restoring the land of Mother Gaia when the earth energy is flowing properly, these codes are redistributed throughout all of the ley lines, affecting all living life. Um, So when that was disrupted, that's when humans began um, living shorter lives, things of that nature. Um, So really that's what we're tasked with, is just actually reactivating them. And this process is actually gonna help with the ascension of the planet, ascending from the third to the fifth dimension.
9: Maybe at one time in the future, it could be revitalized. So who knows what the future holds? But we do know the more that people come and the more interest there is and the more the word gets out, that that gives us that opportunity to revisit, to reimagine, maybe to reinvent and restore.
3: No one really knows how uh, Southern Illinois got the, um, the title uh, or the nickname of Little Egypt. Uh, there have been several theories. Uh, it could have been some Amish or Mennonite kid that found a tablet with Egyptian hieroglyph on it somewhere. Uh, who knows? But there's a lot of things there's like Cairo, uh, there's um, like Alexander Lake, there's like Pyramid Lake. There's all kinds of Egyptian names. And another item of controversy was that um, that a lot of the stones, such as this one here, had flying saucers on them. And, and uh, uh, aliens, uh, talks about aliens and, and uh, ships that pass in the night. It, it's basically, some of the same things that we see today, they saw in ancient times.
11: Which this area is also known for its high UFO activity. So I was remote viewing Cahokia mounds and what I saw back in ancient times, I saw different types of extraterrestrials here with the Native Americans. They were teaching the Native Americans agriculture and how to create this big city. They were showing them how to grow food. It's like they were were teaching them, guiding them. And this is back
6: in ancient times. The, the E.T. presence, I believe, was the larger beings, if you will. People are beings, I, the, their source seems to be from elsewhere, and they were brought here. And I believe that they were brought here to colonize, and then they moved out as these other types of people moved in. So they kind of faded away, um, or they were killed off, I'm not sure which, but they were a a peaceful people, they were very knowledgeable, extremely intelligent, they were stone builders.
2: Supposedly there was some seven foot, eight foot skeletons of individuals found in this area. Again, you don't want to mention that to the museum people because they'll stop at it or they'll say well yes there were some large individuals but
12: well first of all there's a lot of stories with native mounds that they'll the natives will tell you the Giants built them um, and second of all I've also seen a bunch of old articles like before cameras even started where they were sketching back in the 1800s where they were taking stones off of mounds like this. And it was more like a stone pyramid structure and the mounds were just like the base. The top of the mound,
6: this also seems to be a place to not only stargaze, but watch for the ET people, for the star people. So they're watching for them. And it's also kind of like, maybe they would land on top of this, the large mound. And it's like a stargate opens or a, a message center, a vortex would open for this communication. And I also am seeing right now as we're talking about it, a beam of light coming down on top of these certain people and information is sent that way on
12: light. Back before Facebook even started, there was, I was on MySpace and I met one of the archeologists that worked here And they were doing, there was some erosion on, I'm not sure which side, it would be the side that we're on from here. And they just took like a big caterpillar machine up there and cut into it real fast and covered it right back up. And he took a bunch of pictures of the stuff that he saw. There was posts and and paint and, and like stone slabs definitely is a stone burial chamber, and there's a large body in it
6: of bones. The length of the bones is, I would say, 15 to 16 feet. And this would have been a, a person of
12: great importance. There is the Adena tribe that was tall, pale-faced, red-headed people. And that is more documented that they found skeletons of them out here. But as far as like the David and Goliath kind of giants, I think that they're probably part of the story out here as well. If not, they have one in there, and that's why they have to keep it closed for over a year now. The doors on the front are huge, first of all. And this, they've had it closed for like a year or so. They even opened it for a little while and then all of a sudden they said they had to close it again for more renovations. And when you're in there, I mean, you can look at it now, there's no windows. It's, it's solid stone. Those front doors are like cast iron. You've got to like rah, to open them up. And when you're in there where, where like it turns there where you see like the curves on the building there's a path that's about this wide and it goes down and it's roped off and it's like authorized personnel only so you can see that it goes down into something from there it's not just the one
2: level with with modern technology ground-penetrating radar with lidar scans with a lot of the drone features and in the abilities that we have with science now I don't see why that they They don't start looking a whole lot more into this because there was 25 to 50,000 people living in this city, essentially with 12,000 or 1200 AD, which would have made it bigger than Paris, France at the time. A lot of people lived here. You don't know if they lived there full time or they migrated in and out. If it was seasonal, all you know is those structures were there.
0: Anything that stands out that you think my people should know about this site.
12: That it's here, And it's one of the things that if you dive into the rabbit hole of the mounds, you'll realize that they're all across the globe. And even St. Louis, the arch is built on a mound that was as big as Monk's Mound. They took it down. The Freemasons built the arch. They took down a mound and they put up the arch and they call it the gateway to heaven.
11: And the arch you can actually see the arch from the top of Monk's Mound. And on the arch's website, it talks about how it's a weather manipulation device, which I thought was pretty interesting. But besides that, the
12: arch is also a
11: huge portal that the ETs use. It's a portal into another dimension.
12: I feel like it's all energetic and that there's a powerful energy source here that's been forgotten and there are some people that still know about it that are tapping the energy. And I think everyone should know about it because there's a healing energy here too. And the technology
11: under Kokia Mounds actually works with the energetic grid of the earth and the magnetic grid of the earth. And I also saw the ancient Egyptian pyramids and I saw that Kokia Mounds will actually help activate sacred sites all around the earth and that's why certain star seeds are placed here to help activate the ancient egyptian pyramids from st louis which is pretty incredible
8: um so it's really about thinking for yourself you know questioning what the mainstream is telling you you know digging into yourself like i know a lot of people want to look outside themselves and hear what other people have to say but a lot of this information is, like I said, within your own DNA, within your own consciousness. You have a higher self. You have galactic uh, guides. You have your ancestors, ascended ancestors that know the truth. You don't always have to look outside of yourself or expect for the government or some other external authority to tell you things. If you tune within and you quiet, you come out in nature, connect with uh the earth guardians, with the air guardians, the elementals, there's so much more to life all around you. But tune within and ask, who are you really? Because you are not just this human being that you see with your physical eyes.
2: I don't know, I, I... it's bizarre. I don't claim to understand it. I just learn about it and try to think as I go. Ideas are uh, what made a whole lot of things in this world possible. Alright, I had to get back to work.
0: message is from Zuni tribal elder Clifford Mahudi, who passed away in 2022. Clifford devoted his life to passing along the forgotten star knowledge of the native tribes and aboriginals of this planet. Some of the information he shares in this final message does not pertain to this documentary, but to a way of life that has been forgotten by so many.
4: Yes, uh, my name is Clipper Mahudi. I'm with the Zuni Indian tribe from New Mexico, <clears throat> United States of America. The messages that go out every day is that, you know, this country is never recognized as the country that belonged to the Aboriginal people of this land. And I am very, very disappointed that every time that they talk about it, that they they, they pet themselves on the back and how great to meet this country. Well, this country was not discovered. He was here all this time. Aside from that, uh, because of this type of uh, disinformation, not knowing exactly what the roots of a lot of the the native peoples are over here. I've taken a personal effort to uh, convey to the general public, the public at large to state to them or at least uh, direct them in this way that they can look at the history and uh, find out that the Americans, the Americas, whether it be North, uh, Mesoamerica, South America, there were civilizations here that far exceeded some of the technology uh, applications that most of the world or rather it was parallel with other systems on the on the planet. But there are a lot of things that have been destroyed, especially in the United States, where there's no way to trace the history back. And also a lot of people don't really understand it. It's the spirituality and the multidimensional systems which we darling need so so hard right now because of our imbalance, not only of mankind but also of nature in general. So, my mission is especially toward a younger generation, which in the United States, our education system is in the dump, especially in the American Indian side, where they were forced upon not only religion, but uh, lifestyles and uh, deviation from the, the spiritual connections, especially with the the land and also within their own social structures. This is very hard to accept because I have studied quite a bit. So the reason I came out, started doing this thing is to at least have some type of a voice within this whole uh, system of uh, interpretation of many things that are, are misled by others. About the American Indian, so uh, it is an effort. I I did this because it, it is an important that people like myself come out and and at least convey some of the missing puzzles pieces of what this country is all about. And we're now at a culmination of people looking for answers, and the answers have been here all this time. So I'm looking at everything from the philosophical standpoint. I've had a chance to study both the extremes, whether it's from the spirituality or the technological and in between the people and many things that make uh, the galaxy, our galaxy, as part of the whole system. And there everything is interconnected. And right now we are in a situation where we're at what the scientists call, engineers call, maximum entropy. We're going in all directions and we're not concentrating on what should be happening. And look what's happening in this country right now. We're in a division where we're at war among each other. And those people that are in power are the wrong ones that are up heading organizations, which is against a lot of things that uh, whatever we call God whoever we call God is all about and spirituality. So this is one of the reasons that I'm doing this type of work. I don't expect anything from anybody. I don't owe anybody anything. I don't. They don't owe me anything. And and what I do is that I talk at these conventions and other places and I don't care what they say about me. But because it has to be done in a manner that we have to be each other up and say, Hey, look, let's, let's all look at what's happening and perhaps we'll all get together and to look at a certain way of adjusting ourselves. And it has to come from internally within individual. No spaceship is going to come over here and save us. No aliens are going to come over and take us away to the promised land or to a big uh, UFO in the sky. So we have to start within each other. So that's basically the thumbnail sketch of what I'm doing. I work with a, a lot of people with ancient aliens. If you look at some of the episodes that Giorgio Tsoukalis uh, did, he made a very thorough investigation about the Iroquois Confederacy and how how the Founding Fathers uh, took that and said that this is our Constitution. What they did was they took, this, took that a iroquois confederacy uh, way of government and adopted into and they call it the constitution of the united states of america however through throughout the last 500 years that's been that's been torn apart because of the conqueror the colonization destroyed a lot of those concepts as we all know and you ask what that word means they'll tell you immediately that's a, a china the Kachina is pronounced in different ways throughout in Hopi and other Pueblos. Some places they're called Kachina and other places they call Kachina. So, but it's the same one. And, and this is the direct representation of what the, uh, the Pueblo people had to revert to in order to represent the ETs at that time to participate in our activities of the Pueblo people. The reason that happened was because ETs, when they used to come to the the Pueblo people and participate in their, they were the merrymakers or they used to, their purpose was to bring rain and and seas, but they also did entertainment by song, dance and other activities. And the reason that the humans had had to uh, take place of the kachina, which were the ETs, was because of abduction. In the old days, thousands of years ago, or maybe nobody really knows, they had to replace the uh, the ceremony with representation of the Kachina, or at least the ET, and they call themselves the Kachina. So that's the direct link to it. A lot of our own people do not know that because a lot of this information has been kept uh, uh, sort of locked up or kept undercover because of the invasion of the the, the Smithsonian group way back in the 1880s. I have been criticized by my own tribal members for talking about these things, but it doesn't make any difference because it's it's there and it's for the future generations. Well, here's another thing too all native peoples or native uh, aboriginal peoples, whether it's, whether it's here in Mexico or United States or all throughout the whole planet, whether it's in Australia or Japan or wherever, they have a, all the aboriginal tribes is a direct connection to what we call the star people. and. Of course, uh, people like uh, the History Channel and Ancient Aliens, they do a very good job of doing that type of... The, but Of course, they call it a theory, which it is. is It is a theory, but there's a lot of evidence. Uh, we still practice that today, and uh, it's a whole ritual. If you look at the Dogans in Africa, they still go through the same thing. You look at the the Indians down in the Mexico, the Veracruz people over there, that they every ritual or every enactment talks about the uh, star people come in, what they did and then they're leaving. There was a um, and they're still here. The only the only difference between uh, the humans and them is that we only see a a small spectrum and we're only limited to a a, uh, limited to dimension. If you look at the dimensions, and, and it goes on forever, and it, it's been scientifically proven. I've studied a lot of science on that. But every time I, when I look at a formula or a, an equation or whether, whatever, and they explain it, and then I say, "Heck, the Indians already knew about that," but we yeah. didn't have any formulas for that. We just knew about it, you know. Uh, last year we decided that uh, we're going to no longer keep some of that. American Indian uh, information. I uh, sort of set back because now we're just going to start coming out with it regardless of what happens. It's part of the disclosure effort. And uh, a lot of people have been talking about disclosure of American Indian. I mean the American government. It's not going to happen. It has to be done by people like your your groups that are in the on, on the shows. People like myself that have are not concerned about being sent to a prison or because it's 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 here it's always been here it's just that we've been lied to for so many years and uh having been born and raised on an indian reservation i can you know there is so many lies that were told us and then when i started reading history they actually excluded a lot of this information that uh, our people have known for thousands and thousands of years. If you look at the Grand Canyon uh, itself in Arizona, we did a a, a uh, it's on YouTube. It's called Expedition to Papu where where the Buddhists and the Egyptians and the American Indians were here at one place. And the King Kate expedition in 1908, I believe it was, was was a start of that, and so. You can go to any Indian group out here in the Southwest and they'll tell you exactly the same thing. I even did a a, uh, thing about the uh, when Lemuria sunk and and where those people, what happened to them, where they went and it's still practice to this day. The only problem is you got to know the language. All you have to do is listen and, and what they talk about is how they originated the journeys that they took, who they met, how they came about, where they are at. And they talk about the inner earth. Our our people actually generated for this world now in in from the inner earth. Now you go one step further in the Grand Canyon, there's a lot of Indian tribes, the Hopi, the Zuni, and they, and, and there's still some in there called the Havasupai and the Coconino people, which uh, are spread out here in southern New Mexico. I mean, Arizona and New Mexico. So it has always been known that the last catastrophe and as we all know, or at least the scientists say that the world has flipped over on its axis 13 times. And the last one was uh, destroyed by mankind, and they had to go for refuge, and this is where they went, is that in, into the inner world. That's where they were saved, and you can go to any pueblo in Arizona, or in the Hopi, or any other tribes within the Southwest, and they'll tell you the same story. The only problem is that nobody took them serious. Well, we were talking about the inner earth, and this is where the ant people, and the insectoid people, and other forms, had guided them or at least uh, probably upgraded them because there's an upgrade that happens even after they came out of the town, so to speak. And the proper term, I mean, the common term they use is the Sipapu, S-I-P-A-P-U, which is right there at the confluence of the Little Colorado and the Big Colorado and the Grand Canyon. It's right there where the Hopi emerged from. And the Zuni is up in one of the higher level, which at one time was probably the same level as the, uh, the river at one time. But so there's, there's many other places on the planet of other Aboriginal people. There's a, the Yavapai Nation, which is in uh, near Sedona. They, their, uh, their emergence place is the Montezuma well. And that well has never uh, increased or decreased its flow for I don't know how many hundreds of years. And so there's a lot of springs that are referred to that were directly connected to the inner earth. And uh, we've always believed in the inner, inner earth people. And they're part of that whole uh, group of what the Zuni call the raw people. We're all being that they're non-human. And of course, the word "magic" came from those people. But the the term that I use were a ET can walk through a solid concrete wall and appear in your bedroom, standing at your foot of your bed. That's what I I could not find a, a definition in the dictionary, English dictionary. So I referred to it as cosmic magic. It's a multidimensional way of It falls into quantum mechanics, physics and other uh, related uh, mathematical activities in high order science. So that falls into the same thing of the inner-earth people. Mm. The inner-earth people are also part of that group, not only the inner-earth but also of the star people, what the Indians call star people. So actually the American Indian uh, population have always got connection to the star people and where they come from including Bigfoot. If you look at all the information, the real good information, not the stuff that these guys do, you know, those those guys like uh, what a Bigfoot hunters or whatever, you know, that, that's just to make money. And yeah. uh, but the real thing is that uh, I have had encounters with Bigfoot, but you can never tell uh, where they're at, and you can't even track them sometimes because they'll disappear in front of you. Uh, you've seen that. I mean, there's volumes and volumes of that information. So they go into a, they'll go back in and out of it. But they're also keepers of the planet to keeping control. Uh, wherever there's a UFO, uh, ETs around, there's always Bigfoot. So they're all connected. Even the little people. All Indian tribes have history of little people. You know, they're about two or three feet high. And Zuni, they call them the. Uh, if there is like an earthquake, or something that happens with the earthquake, those are the first ones that will come out. And so they're, but again, they're in a different dimension, which which humans have no idea of, of what it really is. You know, there's you can only prove it probably. Or, or theorize it in a mathematical equation but it's it's pretty tough that's another thing too that they when they when we talk about multi-dimensional uh, um, stages i think there's a lot of people that are on the wrong track but they stuff like ayahuasca and all these these different plant drugs i mean you know all you do is you're just confusing your your mind i think that because if you are if you are part of that you'll be shown uh you don't need no drugs you don't need no anything because it's it's already exists. it's mm-hmm. just that we haven't they they have taken away those they have taken away those keys if you want to call them that or information systems and they're locked up in the vatican they're locked up in smithsonian and even area 51 yeah. So, yeah. so, so these are these are these are the reasons why they're they're holding in power, and that's what, that's what they're afraid of losing, is that, you, you, look what they did to Tesla, with free energy, you know we don't have to, it's it's right here, you know, so I think that's another reason. It's a, because it falls in the category of religion, which is, which is man-made, and so it 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 falls in that same category so there's no actually there's no punishment anywhere you say you you make your own destiny Is what it amounts to but they don't want to admit it this is what the inner earth people are all about they're they're with us you know this is really it kind of puzzles me because when you're out here in the desert on any given night you can walk out there. you can see UFOs however close you want it or however you want it I guess it's Maybe it's called manifestation, or some people just just have it and others don't. They can't. You I've taken people out there to the desert. I've said that hey, here they come, and there'll be about five or six of them, and the whoever the guy I'm with, or or maybe two or out of ten or twelve people, they cannot actually see it. I don't know why. I mean, this is another reason that. Maybe they don't have an open heart or open mind or whatever it is, but they're here. There's others that are on the other side that they can actually talk to ETs and Bigfoot and other different beings in front of you. I've seen it happen. And those are the ones that perform uh, practices to uh, cure a lot of human beings because that is also their role. Uh, you know, I talk a lot about reincarnation and also about uh, the the human body is just like a uniform. Uh, the soul is the one, the spirit is the one that carries on. And a lot of times, you know, I've had that experience as many times in in many different uh, situations where I would know exactly what was behind them mouth. And I've never been there. So I would say that, uh, and then I'd explain to my friends and says, oh, they just laugh at me. But when we got there, i say, why well, you were here before. That's why, you know, I said, no, I've never been here before. <laughs> and that type of thing, you know, it's, it's all humans have that. It's just that they were closed up even the day they were born. Well, it's, it's even introduced, even at the time of conception. You remember several years back, maybe 20, 30 years ago. I think it was either Scientific American or one of those high scientific magazines I used to describe or subscribe to. He talked about if you play Mozart when you're pregnant with your child, the baby when it's born will be more passive than if others that did not nurture their baby while they're in there. And I said, that at that time I threw that paper and I said. Hey, I mean, you guys have known that for thousands of years, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. so it's it's all, and also the other thing too, is that the vaccines and and uh, I'll give you a good example. I'm not a medical doctor. I don't claim to be anything, but when the first thing that I have seen, whether it's true or not, because I've never been in a, a room where a baby is born. But the first thing that they do, the doctors don't deliver, they slap the kid yeah to, to make it cry or to wake it up no, I have never seen an Indian family do that uh, The reason also is that he, that baby is still connected with the umbilical cord and also the soft spot on your head when the baby is born it's be it's still being downloaded, and that's why when when you're a an Indian kid and you have a little brother or sister that's a baby you're told not to touch the head of your little brother or your little sister. So the grandmothers, was, I would ask, of course I was always curious, I said, why, how come I can't do that? He said, because he's still with the other world and he's been, in what the term now is download. So these are basic things that a lot of people don't understand. And, and so, this Western medicine practices are just way above something else. All they have to do is come back and listen to some of the, the practitioners of the natural birth. And also the other thing too, that I explained about that there's a Juniper tree outside my house right here. The grandmothers taught me you take the Juniper, uh, tree, uh, leaves and the berries, and they make a pot when the baby is born and they uh, give the mother that warm tea made from that. So I asked my grandmothers, how come you, you give that to, uh, to, uh, you know, the, the mommy, They said, well, later on, I found out that it clean, cleans out your, your uterine tract, the afterbirth effects. And then the other thing too, that, uh, I learned later on was that it also has a birth control, uh, element in there or compound in there. So all Indian kids were usually two or three years apart. In my generation, there was no back-to-back babies that were born. So there's a lot of truth to these old practices, which they dumped when Western medicine came about. Just like marijuana. Marijuana is a good medicine. Now we're going back. Because there's so many things that are so common, that plants that you can go out there, my grandmothers, my grandfathers, and all my elders used to teach me. You have a stomachache? You go out there to the river, riverbed, where it's out here in the desert. You just take the, the, a clay ball that was left over from a flood. You just put that and put, you just swallow that. Five minutes later, your stomachache is gone. That type of remedies that are all over, but nobody, no, we're too dependent upon. Uh, you know like the uh, the pharmaceutical people because all we're doing is posing in our bodies with that is uh, there's a record of uh, giants in all petroglyphs if you go to the petroglyphs anywhere on the planet you will see giants now giants are bigger at least uh, maybe anywhere from one uh, maybe one to three times bigger than Bigfoot. They'll have Bigfoot right next to or within that same petroglyph uh, area where Bigfoot is there. But On the other side will be uh, the Giants and we have history of Giants. One of the the theories of the Chaco culture being this or or they just vacated. Nobody knows where they went is where the red-haired Giants Mm, which which are are, uh, a lot of them are still buried in Nevada and uh, I know of a lot of people that have told me about They won't lie to me because you know we're we're all professional people and they have been doing that I mean they they were born and raised there they know where they were buried and but they just leave them alone and yes there were giants and, and you know even in the in the Bible and other histories they talk about them but uh, even you know even in the biblical uh, Goliath talks about that so yes the American Indians have known about uh, the giant people along with Bigfoot and other different types of uh, I guess bigger people or, or they were half human or what whatever they were and that's that's a good quick reference to it is is the giants and we have stories about it and there's a lot of history from other Indian tribes that's kind of disappeared that they they talk about uh, you know capturing or cornering the giants in caves and smoking them out. Are you familiar with any like ancient
0: stargates? I guess is what we've what they refer to.
4: Yes, uh, Los Alamos is, is the biggest one. Uh, right here, right there in Arizona, is what they call a star Stargate. But I've been criticized because uh, hey, they're all over the world. I mean, you know, this is yeah. But I've never, I've never been to either of either of them spaces, But I, I, all I do is know about it, just based upon the information uh, that are uh, recited in chants, songs, rituals and they, they know exactly and it's all part of the star system. it's all reference to the star system basically Orion uh, Pleiades and others they're all they're all uh, connected to the uh, the star systems constellations that uh, we we have a lot of respect for raw people raw people or raw things everything that is not human whether it be an insect an animal or a et or whatever they are they're all referred to as raw people the little red ant that walks around in your front yard he's also a raw people the big buck that you want to go over there and and, and shoot with your 30 odd six is also a raw people yes we have rituals like like they were provided by the good spirit in if you want to be like an Indian, the great spirit provided us, you know, so we take everything that's part of our survival, but they only take uh, what is needed. And then after we kill that uh, certain animal, we have to give blessings to it because we're, we're giving. they gave us their meat and their, uh, for the food to, for us to survive. So we bless them as if they were high order uh people also you know we treat them like uh we call them the, like in the priesthood or whatever so we prepare them also to go to the afterlife because it's just a uh reincarnation it's a regeneration rejuvenation of the uh, life forms to keep us in balance but now we're not so this this is what uh, all indian tribes or all aboriginals have rituals for that And it's to give us life. This whole system was set up long time ago by whoever or whatever that's whoever put the system in there. Because we're the humans were they were they were updated many many times, and so this was one of the things that they had to be informed about, and and that's where the protocols come in. How, how do you go about doing this? sense? what ritual do you go through to do to take this animal? You know, if you look at the, the uh, stories of the buffalo, they used everything from that, that animal. The fur, the skin, the bones, everything. Just same way with what we, we used to do when we, uh, we go out and kill a deer. And everything was was used. It was not wasted. So be, we had a lot of respect for, for the uh, the animals that we got our food from. Well, this is this is where the awakening comes in. I address a lot of uh, groups of people, whether in a conference or whatever, and I ask the question and say, "What are you guys afraid of?" I mean, you know, they have been like we were talking about since the day you were born. You're pounded into things that are, that are not true, and you're you're told you're actually a prisoner when you come to this planet. Right? Whether it's the, it's either your parents' background, either the school system, the government, whatever you know, they're, you're a prisoner. They don't have to make kids have fun anymore. You know, when they when they go out and they roll around in the dirt, they pick them up and they put them in a sterile situation how how can they resist other viruses when when they're so when they're not treated like that it's the same way with anything else i mean people are not taught to think for themselves we have Mm -hmm. to force it into them and this is one of the so the whole rebellion i took when i was a little kid the government forced us to make make us do things and i told them not only no but hell no and so uh this is why i was called a radical when i was a little kid i didn't believe in any of the stuff they tried to make me a catholic they tried to make me a mormon they tried to make me a protestant and uh, i absolutely refused i told him i said we have our own god why waste our time in going sitting in the classroom why waste our time in going to try to be something you might as well just be like uh, anybody else, and because once you go to stay, first of all, they don't teach you anything nowadays. And if more people would stand up and say this is not right, and stand up for what they believe, this would be a better planet. This would be a there be a better communication, and and this is where a lot of people think that I'm just a oh you're just not making any sense. I said no. I mean, that's what education is all about. See, a lot of people in this, in this nation is, are, or the planet for, for that matter, are not educated. <laughs> education comes from within you and in, from your heart. It doesn't come from sitting in a in classroom or sitting in church or uh, getting on the internet. Yeah. So you don't learn anything. You gotta go out there and, and learn how to, uh, to survive out there. This is where a lot of us that have been through this journey are not afraid to sit, uh, sit back and be slapped around because it's a better world out there being your own person.